Good morning. Let's turn in our Bibles to the book of Acts for the last time. Lord willing, we'll finish off the book, chapter 28 this morning. I trust you, you think about the words of the hymns as you sing them. Really should, so you can sing from the heart. There are some songs I just love above others. I love that last one we sang. The writer had a, a wonderful turn for phrase. Did you catch that last verse? The, the song is about the old, old story. And uh, the writer said, when in scenes of glory, I sing the new, new song. And the Bible talks about a new song, doesn't it? It says, the Lord has put a new song in my heart. If you know Jesus, you know what that song is. But then uh, he goes on to say, uh, that new song will be the old, old story, the old, old song that I've known so long. Isn't that good? Because it will be the same song we've been singing since we've been saved, because it has the same theme. It may have different words in heaven, but the theme will be the same, and it's the love of God. I think that's great. Acts chapter 28, verse 1. Now, when they had escaped, they then found out that the island was called Malta. Remember, they, sh- they were shipwrecked. You remember that from last time? And the natives showed an un- us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and made us all welcome because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. We can relate to that, huh? But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. Ow. So when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, no doubt this man is a murderer, whom, though he has escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow it to live. But he shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. However, they were expecting that he would swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But after they had looked for a long time and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. In that region, there was an estate of the leading citizen of the island whose name was Publius, who received us and entertained us courteously for three days. And it happened that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and dysentery. Paul went into him and prayed, and he laid his hands on him and healed him. So when this was done, the rest of those on the island who had diseases also came and were healed. They also honored us in many ways, and when we departed, they provided such things as were necessary and we'll pause there for the moment we're going to look again at the subject of faith that was our theme last time if you remember and we're going to continue that theme through this chapter um, and if you want a title we'll call these two messages the demystification of faith faith is is kind of a for a lot of people kind of a you know a nebulous word it's sort of like it's either like you know a leap in the dark or blind faith, you know, kind of hoping and wishing, and uh, if you try hard enough, it might come true. You know, it's, it's an ill-defined word. Even among Christians, uh, they lose sense of what it really means biblically. We'll talk about it more in a minute, but let me just state again, faith is very simple. Faith is simply believing God at his word. It's that simple. God says something, and you either choose to believe it or not. If you believe it, And by the way, in the Bible, believing God always is coupled with doing something. (laughs) It's very interesting. You don't sit in an ivory tower like a monk and say, I believe God. You know, isn't that good? I have faith. Always. And we're going to see it later in Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11, the hallmark of faith. You know it. 
by faith abraham did such and such and such by faith moses did such and such by faith sarah rahab all the others did they acted and that makes sense to us we shouldn't you know uh, it's not hard to understand that if we really believe something is true we act on it and if we don't act on it it's because we don't believe it so in the bible faith is always coupled with action if we believe god we're going to do something in response to it so that's pure faith that's what faith is very simple and we're going to demystify we're going to bring it down to earth and we're really going to make it applicable in our day-to-day lives every day every moment first let's get back to paul here uh, if you have your maps how many people oh boy let's see how many people carried them wow very good carried them through the new year very good rest of you are going to have to turn to the back of your bible or uh click a map on your ipod or uh, whatever you've got there um because the point is uh in this first section we really see the hand of god taking care of his people it's just miraculous what he did to begin with if you remember they had left crete they had basically got blown out to sea and there was a a three-week storm then that blew and there was no uh sun no moon no stars for days they got totally disoriented so they're out here you can't see anything but water you can't even see the sky i'll tell you uh, it's not a place to be in in a storm at sea and you don't even know where you are the point is they could have gone anywhere you understand and where did they end up this little tiny speck right where they needed to be malta right off the coast of of uh, italy isn't that cool that's not an accident you don't float around in the mediterranean sea in a storm and end up on that little speck the odds of that are slim and none unless god is in it and the other thing is by the way you remember when they came to malta it's surrounded by cliffs there are cliffs everywhere and rocks they they happen to come up on it right where there's a bay isn't that nice you know i think that's wonderful anywhere in the mediterranean they could have gone and god took them right uh, to where they needed to go so we see it here in the passage the continued uh good grace of god in caring for them for example it says in verse 2 the natives showed us unusual kindness isn't that cool unusual kindness these guys come from out of nowhere and uh they could have been attacked you don't know what's going to happen they could be cannibals who knows but instead they take care of them god arranged that you see he had them land right where these people would be there to take care of them. isn't that cool they made a nice big fire you know and um now the incident of the snake here is very interesting to me uh first of all notice by the way do you think about this verse three when paul had gathered a bundle of sticks that did you catch that now paul the church planter the apostle of god the writer of the majority of the new testament and the word of god picture paul out there in the damp and the cold just going around you know looking for the best sticks and picking them up you know accumulating a bundle is that good that's paul that's the perfect servant no task is too lowly you know he could have sat back there by the fire you know uh, it's not warm enough yet you need another couple of piles here you know paul picking up sticks i love that well <clears throat> turns out that uh, one of the bundles he gathered the thing that was long and skinny was not a stick it was a snake in there and it was a poisonous snake and the locals knew about this snake they knew that when you get bit by this snake you die 
What was interesting to me, I heard you chuckle too, but it was very interesting, the fickleness of the public opinion. Isn't it funny? <laughs> you know, the first thing that happens when he tosses the sticks and he gets bitten, they say, oh, this guy's got to be a murderer. You know, it's, it's providence bringing retribution on him. Uh, he should have been killed in the ship, but he escaped that, but that's all right. The gods that are are going to make sure he dies this way, you know. Well, <clears throat> faith comes into play here, by the way, because... Paul doesn't make a big deal about it. He just shakes the snake off. Why does he act so nonchalant? Faith. Why? It's not faith because he knows God's never going to let a believer die from snake bite. That's not true. I'll promise you, Christians have died of snake bite. No, that's not it. It's not some vague, you know, God kind of takes care of us. He had a specific promise from Jesus personally, didn't he? Jesus had said, as you were... Uh, witnessing for me in jerusalem so you shall testify for me in rome is he in rome yet well it means he's going to be in rome doesn't it and not just carried there on a on a uh, bed you know dying of snake bite he says you're going to testify for me in rome paul knew that and he was so confident you know he just shakes this thing off <clears throat> and so the interesting thing is to watch the people now <laughs> as they watch him and, and there's no ill effects now he's a god is that incredible and it reminded me, <clears throat> Jesus had this experience, and I, I, it's interesting what it says about his observation of the human heart and public opinion. It's in John 2. Now, when Jesus was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs which he did. Now, it doesn't mean they were saved. Remember that, particularly because of signs. They just believed something. It says this, but Jesus did not commit himself to them because... He knew all men and had no need that anyone should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. Isn't that interesting? He knew the fickleness of public opinion, and he didn't commit himself to them. Okay, so they go from uh, thinking he's a criminal to a god. Um, and uh, then we ended up in verse 6, again an indication of the, the care of God um, in verse 7. Think about this guy, Publius. Remember how many people were on the ship? 276. These people dropped in unexpectedly. I don't know if he had a wife. Can you imagine that? 276. And they hadn't eaten, remember. They're hungry. They're tired. They're cold. And 276 of them just drop in for dinner. Again, look, God provided that, you see. What a provision of God. And they stayed there three days. And it's wonderful, the little words that God puts in his word. Every word is precious. It says that uh, he received us and entertained us courteously for three days. So he wasn't a begrudging host. They really uh, were welcomed. And I would imagine uh, went a long way toward recovering from their, their time at sea, don't you think? At Publius's place. That, it's so wonderful, the hand of God in caring for them in the middle of nowhere. <clears throat> uh, then, of course, we see the miracles here. We're going to refer to this later um, about the miracles. I'm not going to talk about it right now. <clears throat> but just the last verse there, verse 10 in the section we read, there it is again. It says, They also honored us in many ways, and when we departed, they provided such things as were necessary. So when they went their way, they also gave them food and perhaps clothing and other things that they would need for the continued voyage to Rome. Isn't that great? So here they are in the middle of the, of the Mediterranean facing death. 
you know, everything's thrown overboard. And now it's like the, the uh, Israelites coming out of Egypt. You know, they're going their way with everything they need because God is taking care of them. Okay, uh, now you're going to need your maps. It's really, if you don't have a map, don't worry about it. All we're going to do, we're going to go from Malta, which is below Sicily. We're just going to work our way up past Sicily and uh, up the coast of Italy and finally to Rome here. Verse 11. <clears throat> After three months, we sailed in an Alexandrian ship whose figurehead was the twin brothers, which had wintered at the island. And landing at Syracuse, we stayed three days. From there, we circled round and reached Regium. And after one day, the south wind blew. And the next day, we came to Puteoli, where we found brethren and were invited to stay with them seven days. And so we went toward Rome. And from there, when the brethren heard about us, they came to meet us as far as Appii Forum and three inns. When Paul saw them, he thanked God and took courage. Now, when we came to Rome, the centurion delivered the prisoners to the captain of the guard. But Paul was permitted to dwell by himself with the soldier who guarded him. Okay, so you got that? It's just the last stretch going up to Rome. Here's Malta down here where they started. Uh, Syracuse is uh, down in Sicily. Uh, Regium is right on the toe of Italy. And then they worked their way up the coast. Interesting at Puteoli. <laughs> now there's a village for you. Is, did you notice it was interesting? In verse 14, it says, we found brethren in that little town. Isn't that cool? How did they get saved? It, it really, I, I would like to know the story behind how these people heard the gospel. Paul hadn't been there. Someone had come and preached, you know. Maybe a believer from Rome came down there, but whatever. There is a core of believers here in this little village on the coast of Italy now. And uh, Paul stayed there in fellowship with them, and Paul and the others, for three days. Uh, they're working their way up to Rome. And finally here in verse 15, they get closer. And as they're going, it says, uh, from there, when the brethren heard about us, they came to meet us. Now it's talking about the brethren, the believers from Rome. They come down and meet them there. And one of the phrases that caught my attention here is the last uh, two words. It says, when Paul saw them, he thanked God and took courage. Isn't that interesting? Paul was a little discouraged. That's what, that's what it's saying. It's the same words, in fact, that Jesus used. You remember when Paul had tried witnessing to the Jews back in Jerusalem and basically almost gotten beaten to death? And he was down. He was low. And the first words of Jesus were, take courage, Paul. He was encouraging him. He was low. Jesus knew that. And those words would pick him up. And they're the same words here. He took courage. He was losing it. I like that. Paul's a human like you and me. You say, well, <clears throat> how could Paul ever get low? You know? <laughs> Look, Paul had low times too, just like us. <clears throat> Think about it. <clears throat> You'd say, well, what about all the miracles and stuff? He's been at sea for six months in, in a storm, been through a shipwreck. He's been two years in prison in Caesarea with no light at the end of the tunnel, just kind of an eternal prisoner. He's, here's, here's the thing we haven't thought about. Paul has been out of circulation now for two and a half years. That is not typical for this guy. Look at your maps. Paul's first, second, and third missionary journeys. They go everywhere. And everywhere he went, there are churches planted. People saved. He's been chained to a guard for two and a half years. 
you know? In fact, uh, we're going to talk about this more in a minute, but if you think about it, uh, we talked about the miracles on Malta. The, the snake, the, the healing of Publius's father, and then later, all the sick on the island. There's one big thing that's missing in that section. Does it talk about anybody being saved? Isn't that interesting? In fact, people, when they come to the end of the book of Acts, they say, man, it's not like the beginning. It's kind of different, you know? You know what's different about it? The last time God talked about somebody plainly being saved was way back in chapter 19 in, in Ephesus. Isn't that interesting? And, and that's so unusual because how does the book start? One sermon, 3,000 people are saved, huh? Next time, 2,000. All you got to do is preach a sermon and thousands of people get saved. That's pretty good. Churches are planted. Believers are, are, are growing. They're spreading. They're, the word is going everywhere. The last one-third of the book of Acts, you never hear about one person being saved. Why? Well, to be quite honest, I'm glad God does that. Is your life always like that? Do you always see 2,000 people saved when you share the gospel? No. There are dry times as well as times in the oasis. That's the Christian life. And in fact, to be quite honest, isn't it easier to have faith and trust God and believe God when everybody's getting saved and the sun is out and, you know, everybody loves you and all that stuff? Huh? You know, then, the, then things dry up, you know. I, I have some trials in my life. Things aren't going the way I, I would like them to go. A little harder to exercise faith. But the point is, that's when God is really honored, you see. Anybody can exercise faith when the sun is out. When the storms come in and we exercise, we trust God and we show it by our lives. That glorifies God. And so Paul's had an opportunity of two and a half years to show faith, you see, in spite of the circumstances. And so with, but nevertheless, he got low. There's nothing wrong with that. And so he, when he saw the believers coming from Rome, it says he took courage. It, it encouraged him. I think that's good. And in fact, uh, I, I'd like to now just kind of tie up a loose thread here. Go to Romans. Just make a right turn to the end of the book of Romans, chapter 15. It's been two and a half years now uh, or more because Paul wrote this letter, remember, in Ephesus to the Romans. And in there... At the end, he was talking about his trip to Jerusalem, remember? Taking the gift to the saints from the Gentiles to the uh, poor believing Jews there. And in the, at the end of chapter 15 in Romans, he says this, starting in verse 30. He asked them to pray three things. Now I beg you, brethren, through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Spirit, that you strive together with me in prayers to God for me that I may be delivered from those in Judea who do not believe, and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, and that I may come to you with joy by the will of God and may be refreshed together with you. Did you, did you take them off there? They've all, they're all answered. Did you get that? God answered all three of those prayers. It's neat. Here it is before, and now we see the after. He, he, he delivered uh, Paul from the Jews that were after him. He was able to deliver uh, the money and no doubt it was well received. And in fact, he's now come to Rome and is uh, able to fellowship with the believers there. I think that's great. Okay, back to 
Acts here. Um, verse 16, it says, Now when we came to Rome, the centurion delivered the prisoners to the captain of the guard, but Paul was permitted to dwell by himself with the soldier who guarded him. Again, God has taken care of Paul. Uh, he's got his own place. And later we're going to see he ha- he's actually able to rent a house. But now be careful. He still is chained, and he will be for another two years. So four and a half years of being chained to another guy. Not the same guy. We said that last, but they're eight-hour shifts, but nevertheless, chains for Paul 24 hours a day. And uh, it's interesting, in the prison epistles, these are the letters that we're going to look at uh, later as the brothers come up and preach on them. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. Those are the prison epistles. Those are the letters that Paul wrote while he was in those chains for the next two years. And in every one of them, <clears throat> he talks about the chains. In Ephesians, he calls himself an ambassador in chains. In Philippians, he says, my chains are in Christ. That's good, isn't it? You know, he could get down about the chains, but he looks past the physical chains and he says, I'm chained for Jesus Christ. In Colossians, he asks the believers to remember my chains. Pray for me. He needs to be prayed for because he is in chains, he says. And then in Philemon, he writes about uh, Philemon's escaped slave, Onesimus, and he says, whom I have begotten in my chains. That's good. Okay, verse uh, 17. We'll read the rest of the chapter here. Finally, we're in Rome. And it came to pass after three days that Paul called the leaders of the Jews together. So when they had come together, he said to them, men and brethren, Though I have done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans, who, when they had examined me, wanted to let me go, because there was no cause for putting me to death. But when the Jews spoke against it, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, not that I had anything of which to accuse my nation. For this reason, therefore, I have called for you to see you and speak with you, because For the hope of Israel, I am bound with this chain. Then they said to him, We neither received letters from Judea concerning you, nor have any of the brethren who came reported or spoken any evil of you. But we desire to hear from you what you think. For concerning this sect, we know that it is spoken against everywhere. So when they had appointed him a day, many came to him at his lodging, to whom he explained and solemnly testified of the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus from both the law of Moses and the prophets from morning till evening. And some were persuaded by the things which were spoken and some disbelieved. So when they did not agree among themselves, they departed after Paul had said one word. The Holy Spirit spoke rightly through Isaiah the prophet to our father saying, go to this people and say, hearing you will hear and shall not understand and seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing and their eyes they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears. Lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. Therefore, let it be known to you that the salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles and they will hear it. And when he had said these words, the Jews departed and had a great dispute among themselves then paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented house and received all who came to him 
preaching the kingdom of god and teaching the things which concern the lord jesus christ with all confidence no one forbidding him okay verses 17 through 20 paul introduces himself to the jews in rome and he wants to make it clear to them because he wants to witness to them about jesus that uh, uh he's there for a good reason not a bad reason and it's interesting the words he uses verse 20 you see what he said he said because for the hope of israel i am bound with this chain isn't that interesting he doesn't say right out i'm here because of jesus of nazareth who was crucified he says a phrase they would know and understand the messiah the promise of the messiah the hope of israel they can relate to that yeah and he's really he's, he's getting a door open because he wants to witness he wants to share christ with them and how paul must have been excited with their response huh you know what kind of treatment has he been receiving for the last two years from the jews a plot they're trying their best to kill him and basically what they say is we don't know what you're talking about nobody's coming you know giving a bad report about you we haven't heard anything evil about you in fact we'd like to hear what you have to say isn't that great you know you can just see paul really getting excited here he, he, at last he can share and then um when it comes to verse 23 i just picture paul in his element here all day in the scriptures huh at last remember he's been among pagans for two and a half years gentiles you can't go to a gentile and say <clears throat> you know it says in isaiah you know it's been tough go back and look at the sermon um at athens you start from scratch you know there is a god there's one of them you know <laughs> so i can just see paul ah oh, he, he he's uh in clover here you know opening the scriptures from morning to evening the whole day talking about the prophecies the types the pictures of the lord jesus christ how he is the messiah you know <clears throat> well that's as far as it goes because you saw their response now you say well wait a minute <clears throat> says here in verse 24 some were persuaded well again it's up here that's why paul rebukes them they're, they're persuaded intellectually you know the arguments make sense but uh apparently there's no repentance from sin <clears throat> no conviction of sin and that's why paul then quotes isaiah to them that really this is uh a keystone in the book of acts you remember way back we talked about the transition that god made from the jews to the gentiles that's a big thing in the history of god nobody knew it was going to happen everybody thought especially the jews it was always going to be the jews and god made the turned the corner so to speak and now uh, the gentiles are in the center of god's favor and nobody knew it was going to happen but god and really this is a statement here by paul declaring that that's what's happened but as i read this it was there's a picture painted here i don't know if you caught it the picture you get of the jews they're just kind of squabbling among themselves through the whole thing and paul's kind of over there talking and it's almost like they don't even hear him just like paul says uh in verse 24 listen to this he 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 reasons with them and it says and some were persuaded by the things which were spoken and some disbelieved so when they did not agree among themselves they departed and you just kind of see them you know all in a pack you know arguing and squabbling as they go away paul makes his declaration 
And then it picks up again. It says in verse 29, and when he had said these things, his youth departed and had a great dispute among themselves. They're still doing it. They can't, they, they can't hear. They, they refuse to acknowledge the Lord Jesus Christ as the Messiah. But Paul, of course, uh, continued now in the, uh, in the house here, it says, for two years. Uh, he was a prisoner, and uh, I know everybody wants to know exactly what happened to Paul. We just have tradition to go on. In the very early church, the tradition was that Paul was in prison another two years. It's kind of like today. It takes two years to come to trial, right, Tom? It took two years to, to finally get an audience, you know, with Caesar or his appointed person. So Paul was basically doing a waiting game during that time in the house. And then tradition has it that he was released. Uh, he was found innocent. And he had from one to two to three years of freedom. He may have gone to Spain. He wanted to do that and preach the gospel. Um, but then tradition has it that he was arrested again, this time under Nero. Nero was not such a nice guy. And he was executed uh, after that in, in a very short time. But God ends the word here. It's very interesting that Luke, who wrote it, therefore had to have uh, been aware and perhaps with Paul during those two years to write these words, you know. So in verses 30 and 31, Paul is in chains and yet free. And again, I'm sure Paul had his low times. You would, you know. He's a prisoner. It's almost five years in chains. Can you imagine? And yet I love this. Um, in Ephesians, one of the prison epistles he wrote while he was in those chains, in, in chapter 3, he, he says, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ. That's good. He looked beyond the chains and he saw the Lord in. He looked beyond the cha- chains to his Savior. Okay. Lesson in faith. Paul, God put this section in here of barrenness as a lesson to us as well. Faith applies to us as well today. One third of the book, as I said, is really a spiritual desert. No new churches. Now, that doesn't mean they didn't happen. Okay, people got saved. But God chose to record in the last nine chapters of this book. Nobody getting saved. Paul going through hard times during a trial. It's for a reason. It's to encourage us. That it's not always going to be the day of Pentecost is the point. And so. For one thing, listen to Paul again in a prison epistle in chains writing these words. I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I have learned to be uh, to abound and to have need. To be exalted and to be abased. I've learned in whatever state I am to be content. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He's talking about the good times when the churches were being planted and the drier times when he's in change. He says, it's not the circumstances that drive my joy. It's my relationship with my Savior. And that can't change, you see. And that's, that's the lesson that we can take from this. Paul's faith was tested by God. The interesting thing, <clears throat> I told you before, First Peter, there uh, sometimes some wonderful phrases or key words that stick out in a book. In Peter, uh, the key phrase is precious. There are five things in the book of First Peter that are precious or uh, incorruptible. Among them, the blood of Christ, the word of God. And one of them, interestingly enough, is our faith. God says it's like gold. Isn't that interesting? 
it's very precious to him what i mean is it's precious to him when we believe him and act on it it shouldn't be that we you know the most natural thing in the world should be that we believe god and there shouldn't be any credit in it but it's such a rare thing (laughs) it's like gold and so god says it's like gold to him so let me explain let's turn to hebrews chapter 11 because i want to look at some examples here i want to make this real practical for us hebrews 11 faith first of all how does it apply to us first of all we're told in second corinthians we walk by faith not by what okay we learn a lot from that first of all he says we walk by faith now you say oh we exercise faith when we were saved you know we're saved by faith yes and by the way we were saved by faith by believing god at his word then right but what he says also he says we walk by faith that's a very ordinary thing walking isn't it we do it all the time walk he's saying everyday life should be lived by faith not just being saved and not just moving mountains (laughs) it's all that stuff in between we walk and it also means step by step one step at a time by faith and he says not by sight that's a key because walking by faith is the very opposite of walking by sight not necessarily your physical eyes but i said this last time there are other sources of input that come into us as believers on which we base our decisions on how to live for example the world uh the world around us right now in this country the signals you get from advertising and the media and people around you does it tend to reinforce the bible come on no it doesn't in fact it's the opposite isn't it but we're bombarded with it all the time and then we have another alternate source of input that drives us that's contrary to this it's called our flesh (laughs) our flesh we get lazy we get hungry we're prone to sin uh we have appetites we have desires we have, the point is god knows this we have all of this information bombarding us from outside and from within impelling us to do certain things a certain way like the world does and we have one uno contrary source right here that's it think about that just one place where god has spoken and he gives it to us as believers i'm talking to believers now by the way only those who know jesus christ okay he gives us this alone and he and he just he watches if i can say it that way knowing we have all these sources of input and it just delights him to no end when we ignore all those other sources of input what i want to do what i feel like doing what i don't feel like doing what my friends tell me to do what my friends won't accept me if i do do etc etc and i turn to this and i say god said i'm going to do it that way he loves that that's faith you see it's been used many times but it's a great illustration it's like a pilot in a plane where there's no visibility now i haven't piloted a plane before but i've heard it can be a pretty scary thing where you can't see anything and as you know if a pilot's in that situation he better not fly by his feelings 
he's going to encounter a mountain or the ground. They have to go by instruments. They have to trust the instruments that that altimeter and the gas gauge and everything else are correct and forget what, you know, everything else is saying. Well, that's the way it is with us, brothers and sisters. This here's our instrument panel. Okay. Everything else out there may be saying, no, no, it's the other way. And God says, no, it's this way. Then we ignore all that other stuff and we say, God's right. That's exactly correct. And I'm going to do it this way. I I believe this. So let's get real practical here. I just picked, I think about four or five examples here from Hebrews 11, just to, to show. And this is where I said, by the way, in this chapter, it says over and over again, by faith, so-and-so did something. It doesn't say by faith, they went and sat in a tower and meditated on God. So the first one I picked is Noah here, verse 11. <clears throat> by a uh, uh, verse, sorry, no, I got the wrong verse. Uh, Noah, verse seven, by faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. <clears throat> now, we think about Noah and, you know, you always have the little plastic arcs with the little plastic animals and how the kids love to pair them up and all that stuff. He was a real man. He was like you and me. Okay. <clears throat> if Elijah was a man of like passions like us, so was Noah. Okay. And of course, the typical picture pe- people have of Noah, even the world, <clears throat> excuse me, is uh, this guy out preaching and being laughed at and scoffed by his neighbors. The interesting thing is there's no verse in the Bible that says that, but we can deduce that that's the way it was from several things. First of all, he's called a preacher of righteousness, several places, a preacher. Okay. We know he and his family were the only ones that went into the ark. So, you know how long he preached? 120 years. Now, can you imagine witnessing for Christ for 120 years and never seeing anybody saved? I mean, I've heard of missionaries having rough times in Muslim countries and communist countries, and uh, they'll go years, you know, before they see someone saved. Some, sometimes the Lord will take a, a missionary and they'll never see anybody saved. 120 years. He was a faithful man. Okay? He's, he, he, it was, it's faith. That's what God says. By faith he did that. That encourages me. It should encourage all of us. Look, if Noah can do it for 120 years, and what did he do? He talked about the Lord. Let's think about all the negative things. You, you, you think it was a popular thing? People wanted him, hear him talking about sin and repentance? <laughs> the signals he was getting from outside was, shut up. What, what is the signal we get about talking about Jesus with people? Same thing, that's right. Don't talk about Jesus. Way back in the book of Acts. Don't talk anymore in the name of this, this Jesus. Our flesh. I don't know, but sometimes I get fear of people. I don't know about you. You know, fear of being rejected. Huh? So we get in all these signals, and God knows that. Saying, shh, quiet. You know, like Jeremiah. So I said, I will not speak anymore in his name. But what did Jeremiah go on to say? He said, but his word was in my bones like a fire shut up in my bones. And I was tired of being quiet. And I couldn't remain silent any longer. That was Noah. And by faith, you see, by ignoring all those sources of input, whether the people telling us to be quiet or the flesh saying, oh, no, rejection. You know, when, when we just turn to God's word and here, we need a specific verse now. OK, not just some kind of vague thing. We need to share the gospel. So let me give you a couple. 
first of all we've been told just like noah that judgment of the world is coming okay so we have to fish around for that second peter knowing this first that scoffers will come in the last days walking according to their own lusts and saying where is the promise of his coming that's true isn't it for since the fathers fell asleep all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation that's evolution in a nutshell by the way for this they willfully forget that by the word of god the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of water and in the water by which the world that then existed perished that is by water being flooded with water but the heavens and the earth which are now preserved by the same word are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of godly men that should be motivation enough right now to say hey there's bad times coming okay there's an ark his name is jesus and you need to flee there for refuge but on top of that these are both from peter first and second chapter three in both cases but sanctify the lord god in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you there you go you can go to the bank on those those are clear statements by god judgment is coming tell others about jesus read that pray over it say lord you said it i want to show you how much i love you i'm going to go out and do this in spite of what my flesh says and what everybody else says next one you may be surprised we're going to skip over abraham we're going to look at sarah verse 11 by faith sarah herself also received strength and to conceive seed and she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised i love that this may seem kind of surprising when you think about it did you notice what it said it said sarah received strength to, to conceive a child by faith now we go back and read genesis and it says there god said you know you're going to bear a child wait god did it but here god says she received strength to bear that child because she believed god saying that if she had not believed god she would not have had a kid it was her faith that god reckoned and acted upon you see now she had to have a word of god to base that faith on and she had it god said she was going to have a child and there there's a fork in the road she can either and you know she laughed at first but god tells us plainly she believed him so she came to that intersection she chuckled a little bit and she could either gone and said no forget it's impossible and she would have been barren or she could go the other way and say i believe god i know it's impossible it's medically impossible but i believe what god said and when she did that she was capable and did have a son but i like that phrase she received strength because that applies to us it applies every time we're faced with a choice of believing god or all the other inputs it's when we and he knows when it happens when we by faith simply believe him and step out that's when the strength comes you see not until then the great illustration of this is the israelites when they crossed the jordan river remember that it says the priest bearing the ark here they go uh it was and he tells us in parentheses in that section that the jordan was at flood stage okay not the kind of place you want to step into but it wasn't until it says the soles of their feet touched the water that the uh, rivers 
uh, the river spread out and came up in a heap up, upstream at Adam. And that's the way it is with God. Not until we say, Lord, I believe you, but not when we're sitting there, say, okay, that's good, I'm done. But when we step out and whatever it is, we're trusting God and we step out, that's when the strength comes. That's when God acts. And Sarah's a good illustration of that. Okay, now we'll look at Abraham, verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. Again, remember, Abraham was a man like you and me. This hurt. This wasn't an easy thing for him to do. But he did it. And we can apply this to ourselves. Um, Anything that we give up to God that's valuable to us. The first time the issue usually comes up is when we're first saved, isn't it? Remember, Don was talking uh, a couple of months ago about uh, Acts 19 and the sorcerers burning those very expensive books they had, you know? When you're first saved, uh, I had some albums. I had some other things that needed to go. And, you know, they're, they're precious to you. He's, he's a picture, really, among many other things, of if God puts his finger on something, and you know it, he says it plainly in his word. So you don't have any problem there. God says it. There's something he's touching his finger, and he says, I want you to let that go. And the flesh says, no, right? <laughs> Not that. Abraham must have thought that inside when he first heard that. He didn't immediately say, sure, okay, I'll sacrifice my son. It hurt. But because God said it, he did it. Now, he also had another word of God to go on, of course. Remember, God had promised that it was through that boy that uh, he would have children. So he, okay, if I sacrifice, that means God has to raise him from the dead. But the point is, he offered up something that was probably the most precious thing to him in his whole, whole life. And, and that was special to God. That meant a lot. And God uh, commented on it. He says, you have not withheld. It's interesting. You have not withheld your son. You didn't hold back from me. That's what he's saying. That, that means a lot to me, he says. We can get real practical on this. Just one area of our lives. Money. You think there are any uh, scriptures we can turn to where God says he wants you to give money to him? I see some grins, but I don't see any commitments. Sure. Proverbs 3. Give to the Lord of your substance and the first fruits of your increase, and so shall your barns be filled with plenty and your uh, presses burst out with new wine. One of the first memory verses for a young believer. Right? 1 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians, you know, on the first day of the week, let each one set aside as God has prospered him. It's all over the place. And the pattern as well in the Bible of giving money. Now, <clears throat> the flesh says, oh, man, just think what I could do with those dollars. You know, I don't want to let that. Where's it going? It just poof. It's gone. The world says you're crazy. You're just giving it away. Where's it going? You need to invest it. That's what I'm doing. God is honored when by faith we turn to the word of God and we see the clear command to give monetarily to him on a regular basis as he has prospered us and we do it. And he loves that. That's gold, you see. Moses. Verse uh, 24. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, 
choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. I love these verses. There's so much in it. First of all, the way God describes sin, the passing pleasures of sin. Isn't that good? You know, they come, they come and go, poof. They're so short-term, the, the passing pleasures of sin. And he said no to that. I like that. He refused. That's the key word in this whole section. He refused. If he refused, what word did he have to employ? No. What's the expression to young people when it comes to drugs and alcohol? Just say, that's it. That's what God is telling us. When it comes to the passing pleasures of sin, whatever it is, just say no. Based on the word of God, say yes to him and no to the sin. Moses did it, and I'll tell you, he was saying no to a lot. Egypt was probably the most powerful and richest country in the world at that time. Kingdom, I should say. And he would have been right at the top, and he said no to it. And you know what he went through with the Israelites. Okay, well, here's a real good application. If there's an area in your life, it could be anything. Uh, Lustful thoughts, uh, impatience, anger, laziness. It could be anything. And you know God says something about it in his word. You can really honor him by finding a passage or two, writing them down, putting them somewhere, maybe where you only know it is. And when the time comes where you're wrestling with that, go out and get that paper or card. Read it, and from the heart, say to God, Lord, I know you say this, I believe it, I'm going to act on what you say. That honors God. That's gold to God. Because he knows the, the flesh and, and the urges that you're going through and the, and the desires you have to do something else. And when you say no to that and yes to him, he loves it. Okay, well, we could, we could go on and on. It, the point is, it said we walk by faith. It's every step, everything in our lives. What in our lives is not covered, by the way, by this book? We have everything pertaining to life and godliness. That's it. Everything, not most things. It's all in here. So faith is, is an everyday thing. It's not mo- just moving mountains and uh, foreseeing shipwrecks and shaking off poisonous snakes. Day to day. When you don't feel like coming to church. And you know God says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. And God knows you don't feel like it. He knows you're too tired and you don't want to read your Bible. You don't want to pray. But because your Heavenly Father asks you to do it and you love Him so much, that's why Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. That's what He meant. You, you always have a trouble seeing the connection between love and commandments. Well, there it is. You know He said it and you love Him enough to believe Him and trust Him and do it. It's that simple. Faith. Even we have a living illustration right now. Death. The world cannot understand how believers can have one of, uh, in their midst die and though they sorrow, rejoice over it. That, that's otherworldly. How can we do that? Because we look here at what God says. Right now, I love Bill with all my heart, but I'm happy for him. Okay? I can give you one verse right now. Uh, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Well, I know one thing. Bill's not in his body anymore. So where is he? Amen. Praise God. We're weird. 
we can look we can turn to this book and say that and believe it and know it man all right the last one i know we're a few minutes late here but i said we're only talking to christians now i'm going to talk to you if you don't know the lord jesus this morning because faith applies to you too verse 28 moses again by faith he kept the passover and the sprinkling of blood lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them this is when the destroying angel went out at night and killed all the firstborn sons in egypt and it would have been the jewish uh, sons as well except for the blood that they put on the doorpost imagine being a jew in the house there and you know there's a wailing and uh, trouble going on in the rest of egypt as their sons are being killed they're dying and you're just there you're defenseless waiting what's going to happen to me all you got out there is that blood and that's it well they were safe because they believed god they trusted in what god told them he said you put that blood there you're going to be safe so they had that to go on god's word if you don't know the lord jesus we've been talking you've, you've understood what we said faith is believing god when he says something in spite of what everything else tells you well if you want to be saved if you want to come to jesus if you want to know you're going to heaven it's the same way let me let me tell you what they are the first thing is there's an unseen danger you don't see it right now in your life you feel great you're cool you know you're not going to die for 80 years that i know i was there okay i know what it's like but there's an unseen danger and everything i say in here that god says if you really want to know you can come up and ask me later i'll show you where he says it so you can look at it and say i believe that god says you're a sinner and there's nothing in you to recommend you to god the next thing is that there is a hell okay forget what everybody says all the jokes and uh you know the guy in the red union suit with a pointed tail and the pitchfork and the horns that's man-made that's not in the bible the devil is real hell is real and anybody that doesn't know the lord jesus christ god says is going to go there okay he says it there's no way out there's no escape apart from the lord period now another thing that you didn't see and you're gonna to have to simply take god's word at is that jesus died on the cross in jerusalem about two thousand years ago and he died for you he took your place your sins were paid for by him on the cross and the other thing you would not know this unless god told you in his word is that by believing that by turning from your sin turning to him and trusting in what jesus did on the cross and nothing else your sins will be forgiven forever and you'll go to heaven to be with god okay now that stuff i just got through saying you're not going to hear that outside in the world you're going to hear it only here but god said it okay you can believe it you can stake your eternity on that and if you do that you'll be saved and if you do then you get into the wonderful uh experience the um good times of living by faith that we've been talking about this morning there's nothing else like it it's interesting uh how the media goes out of its way to uh, try to appeal to people on their product to say dare to be different don't run with the herd you know they always talk and, and i remember when i was younger and it's still the way today among young people you got to be different right don't be like everybody else you got to dress differently you got to talk differently i remember the words that i used in 1965 in high school are not the words that you have to use today 
in high school. But nevertheless, they're a given set of words that every young person carefully learns and studies. The expressions, the dress, the music, the looks, everything. So that when they're done, nobody's different. They're all the same. Isn't that funny? I was walking around the house yesterday. I have an uh, old pair of soft, wonderfully comfortable, roomy pants. And they got a big tear right here on the knees. And we're all joking because I was in style yesterday. <laughs> I wouldn't have been in style 10 years ago. But now I am. God talks about that kind of behavior of hearing the voices from outside. You know, your peers, your friends, they tell you what you got to do, how you got to talk, how you got to look, how you got to act, what your music has got to be, everything. I mean, right down to the details of how you've got to live. He said he calls that being conformed to the world. That's what it is. You're not different. In fact, it amazes me. I think young people are more careful than anybody else to do exactly what other people expect them to do. I have a better option for you. How about being conformed to the image of Christ? That's what God talks about. And it happens right here by interacting with this word. Okay? Think about it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. Where would we be without it? Not just making us wise unto salvation, as you say in 2 Timothy but having all things pertaining to life and godliness. Lord, you have equipped us so well. We pray, Lord, as your children, those who know you, that we might redeem the short time we have here on this speck of er uh, dust called earth, that we might show by our lives that we love you and that we trust you and that we believe you by living by faith. Lord, we know the time is going to end soon and it's going to be sight as it is for Bill right now. Lord, may we redeem the time, snatch up the opportunities to honor you, to, in a sense, offer up that pure gold of faith that you might be pleased. For we ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen.